We're gonna have to All over his right. <laughs> Sometimes I should be more centralized, man. But damn. Why? Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot, man. You got like 15 things going at once. It, it takes a toll on you sometimes. Sometimes you just want to relax, but it never ends. But that's a good, it's a good position to be in. Keep telling myself that. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, let me bring you in real quick uh, to the fold. Uh, all right, guys, uh, we are back this week. And man, I am excited to talk to this gentleman uh, across from me, uh, next to me, however you going to see it. Um, most of y'all, you just listen to us. But either way, Gabriel Duran, he is a writer, director, a professor. This guy is smart, smarter than me. Um, he's a lecturer. He's a freaking entrepreneur. He's Latino. He's he's just badass. He's all over the place. And we're going to get the privilege to talk to him this week on Film Noobs. Um, so before I keep gushing over him and, you know, and, and keep on going and cutting him off, let me bring him in. Um, Gabriel, if you're there, go ahead, man. Introduce yourself. All right. Hello, Gabriel Duran, um, assistant professor at TAM UCC Corpus Christi, uh, filmmaker as well. I'll consider myself a filmmaker first and foremost before I'm an academic. I always tell everybody that that you know I'm more of a filmmaker than I am as considered an academic. So I'm more about the art and the creative craft of it all. Okay. Um, from Wichita Falls, Texas, small town, about 20 miles close to the border of Oklahoma, but I lived a uh, majority of my life in Dallas. And that's where I kind of like created my, most of my work is in Dallas, Texas, actually. Um, a lot of my creative team comes from Dallas. So I actually grew as a filmmaker in Dallas, but that seed was always planted uh, in Wichita Falls as a kid. You know, it's a small town. Well, it's a town of about a hundred thousand people, but when you're growing up, man, and, and your dad and, you know, works at a restaurant and that's what he does. And you go help your dad in the summer working at the Mexican restaurant and, you know, you don't have uh, dreams of being a filmmaker. Like what the hell is a filmmaker? How do you go to school for that? You know? Yeah. So, you know, having those dreams, man. And, and it kind of it was implanted by going to grandma's house. You know, grandma had cable, <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in the day, I don't know if you remember, but those boxes, the little zippy things. The yeah. One shows. through 99. Exactly. Exactly. The little zip things. And yep. she had cable, man. And, what what really stuck and burned an image in my mind was the evolution of of, of MTV. Um, that was like the first wow moment for me of understanding, like, man, these people are getting paid to create this artwork. Uh, it was mesmerizing, but more than anything, it was more of Michael Jackson's thriller. You know, that was the one that really set yes. me off to really think that these people were getting paid to become <laughs> filmmakers and how this creative art was being displayed and somebody was actually doing those jobs. Right. That mesmerized me as a kid watching that because it was like a music video, but not, you know, it was like a mini movie. And then they released uh, behind the scenes on MTV and you get to watch the whole process, how it was made. And that's what really intrigued me. You know, even to this day, I'm really intrigued by going looking at like, say, when when it was DVDs, when we watch movies on DVDs. Right. Yeah. Going back, uh, looking at the stuff like behind the scenes and seeing how films are made. And that intrigues me almost as much as the film itself, you know, and that's how I kind of latched on and in. in, in planted that seed as a young kid is is how filmmaking was like was just it boggled my mind how that stuff was being created you know but yeah. you know as a kid man i mean you know like latinos you know parents don't tell you hey what do you want to go to college for you know it was more like you know yeah. you're gonna help pop or, or, or dad or your mom do this or that or this and, and no college wasn't being spoke you know, talked about or nothing like that was planted into us as far as higher education you know it was a day by day thing of just living life and 
when I had the opportunity to move to Dallas, uh, I did and and worked and and found that I could go to school to become a filmmaker. And started going to uh, University of Texas Arlington, and that's kind of where everything kind of flourished for me. That's badass, bro. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally with you. Uh, oh, MTV had a big, and I think our generation, and mm-hmm. I'm speaking generalized. I think you're about the same age as I am. I might <laughs> be just a little bit, you know, grayer. Um, but our generation pretty much had the the, the awesomeness of growing up watching some of these artists push the limit especially yeah. like you said michael jackson michael jackson always would come out with these badass videos yeah. um yeah. the one that stuck with me was um the one where he's a gangster and he's doing all these movies oh, yeah moonwalk moonwalk yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, that was amazing man honestly yeah but to, yeah. Yeah, but to see the, the behind the scenes of how he did thriller and everything that was just one of the things that yeah just to me it got me but for me was horror films and back then Fangoria used to be real big so I used to get the the books and always look at the behind the scenes and how they did certain things and I would just imagine because again I didn't have cable I just had the the the, the magazines so I would just imagine what it looked like to do all that stuff because you only get yeah. little pictures but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you bro it, it has been a big evolution from I guess the 90s to now big man and it's funny because you have people who love like generally love movies and can recite any movie who the director was and that's not me i was more into the how the process of it all yeah i was more uh, interested in how they did this or how they did that or how that was pulled off or the techniques of how to teach actors or how to work with the actor techniques of how to organize and you know that's what i was more interested in you know i was interested in how to create um and it, it was just a journey that you know and it's funny because one of the biggest questions I have when I speak when I speak at different universities about this, you know, um, when when did you actually find you know your identity as a filmmaker and what made you find your identity as a filmmaker? And I think that's the biggest thing that beginner filmmakers have to learn is what do you want to do with it? Like, what is your purpose being a, a filmmaker? And I didn't really find that out until maybe my second year at film school. You know, as a student. You know, you're trying to just figure out who you are as a person first yeah. uh, to be an adult. And then you're trying to uh, understand what the craft is that you're doing. You're trying to learn the foundations of, of filmmaking. But then you're trying to separate yourself from everybody else because you, everybody, every student, every filmmaker falls into the cliches of the cliche filmmaker, especially students. Students, yeah. they first start shooting. They want to start shooting. They wake up and they hit the alarm clock. They go brush their teeth. They want to do this stuff that they know right it's the cliche film the student film or it was all a dream after all this stuff happened it was just a dream like all these cliches the students fall into and i didn't want to be that you know and i wanted to make sure that i i separated myself with that and the way i did that was to look into myself and look into the stories that my family have told me immigrating to from mexico to here and the stories that they went through into problems and the obstacles that they had to go through to become just to live life in the united states and i think that's when i started realizing i need to start telling stories that that meant a lot to me it meant a lot to people who who understand the 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 struggle and, and struggle as far as like your family and what they've been through. So once I started doing that and start to shoot films that were in Spanish, and I didn't even speak Spanish fluently, but I wanted to shoot films in Spanish because I knew who who my target audience was. It was just me. It was my yeah. family, my type of people. So once I was being true to that, that's when I started to realize and hone in what I wanted to do as a filmmaker. You know, and like I told my students now, I said, "You're shooting films, but you're not. I don't want you to shoot YouTube. We're not shooting YouTube videos here." 
Like we're not doing that. You have a powerful tool in front of you to tell a message and to, to, to get a hold of somebody, to give a message so people can understand. And we don't want to waste anybody's time by shooting music. I mean, YouTube videos, you can do that on your own time. In this classroom, we're shooting films with a message that are going to generate, that are going to respond and have a response from the audience. That's the whole key of filmmaking. Yeah. And you know, that I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, brother, because one of the things that I always ask, and, and, and I kind of pick on filmmakers, especially when they're like, oh, I'm award-winning filmmaker. I'm okay. Can I see your shit? And they're yeah. like, oh, well, you know, it's in, in the festival run. Okay. Well, do you have anything like whatever? I'm like, I want to see it. I, how can yeah. you call yourself a filmmaker unless you see something? You know what I mean? Get it out there. Get, get yeah. fucking just YouTube. I don't care. Get it out there, bro. That's, that's what we we're supposed to be doing is emoting emotion, uh, a, a freaking an idea, something, even if you touch one person throughout your whole career, to me, that's a filmmaker. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, no, 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 this is, and I'm like, ah, then why are we doing this? I mean, yeah, it's great to get paid, but at the end of the day, if, if you don't do anything with it, then what's the point? And yeah. I don't know, I guess maybe I'm, I'm the only one that sees it that way sometimes. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I guess we're doing this because we're going to try to get it on HBO and we never do. And, oh, we're trying to do this project. And I'm like, can we home it down? Can we bring it down? And this is something that you and I talked about uh, when I first talked to you. And it was a great conversation. I kind of stopped you on it because when you submitted to my film festival the first time, it was um, your film. I got it here. Streets of a Scion, I think. Streets of a And you didn't get in, but it stayed with me because I, I, I'm like, when I started going back to filmmakers, I wanted to touch and touch base with, I'm like, well, shit, this one needs to be, you know, touched on. And so when I talked to you, you're like, yeah, bro, you know, I made it because of X, Y, Z. And I want you to talk to me a little bit about that process because a lot of, again, going back to filmmakers who do film, but don't do anything with it. But yeah, you had a different process in your mind of what you wanted to do with that one film. And so let's talk about that real quick. Cool. So, you know, one of the biggest things is, was, as a filmmaker is, was how do you measure your success and what a success is? And, and the biggest thing that faults that filmmakers go through is they try to measure the success by somebody else's success. And you can't do that. Like yeah. for you, what is your epitome of success? Like for me, my epitome of success is not getting into, into Cannes Film Festival. Like other people strive for that. Like that's fine. That's their goal. But for me, I'm just as happy screening at the smallest film festival in, in Podunk, Texas, and another Podunk town or a smaller town. As long as these people see the film, that's all that matters to me. Like, I don't care because such a small group of people, you know, 95% of this population, 98% of this population will never go to Cannes Film Festival to watch films. You yeah. know what I'm saying? 98% will never go to Sundance to watch films. So you're, you know, it's cool to aim that high. But if you get to that point, it's like, so a small percentage of people saw that film. And a lot of them will not screen their film because they want to be able to screen it at Sundance. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. now a small group of people are only going to see that film. For me, I just want it to spread everywhere. Like, that's what I want. I want the message to spread. And, and same thing for Streets of a Scion. Streets of a Scion, the one I submitted to your, to your festival, um, was my graduate thesis film. It was a feature film. And yeah. that was done on a budget of like a thousand bucks. In the film itself... Um, we came together because I would would shoot projects outside of school to, to raise to get money. I would shoot music videos, and all these rappers from West Dallas and Oak Cliff would approach me and say, "Hey, man, let's let's do this, let's do that." And, and finally, I got to the point in, in my collegiate career where I have to shoot a film. I'm like, "Well, let me push, 
let me push the envelope for myself. Let me see if I can shoot a feature film with no money. <laughs> let me yeah. see what happens. It's just an experience. Let me see what happens, right? Um, so I, I went out. We we gathered everybody as a team together. We had worked worked together before, and we decided to shoot this film called Streets of the Scion. Now there was a foundation of a story that I wanted to use, and it was loosely based off of a kid that used to um, come to our house every morning. He would go with us to school. His name was Bobby, and Bobby was half Latino, half black. And the struggles, I mean, there would be days that this kid would come to our, our house in the morning and he would be happy. And there would be some days that he wouldn't want to talk at all. Yeah. And finally, you know, when he grew up later, we, we I asked him, man, how, how was your life growing up? And he says, man, there was a lot of times when I went to your house, I felt like I was free. And and, and I, I couldn't fathom being in a house where you had three bedrooms and, and <laughs> you had your own room and you had this and you had that. He says, I went home and I would have to hide from my grandpa because... I was like half, he didn't like black people. Yeah. So he would have to hide physically from his grandpa when his grandpa would come over, right? He says, I grew up poor. I grew up this, I grew up that way. He goes, I was really had a bad childhood because I was half black and my half my family didn't like me. Like they despised me. So I didn't really have, his birthday was exactly the same birthday as his grandfather. So he couldn't have a birthday because everybody would go to his grandfather's birthday and not his. So yeah. he remembered that and he felt this tension towards Hispanic people, even though he was half Hispanic. You know, but he finally he, he he grew up to realize that man, it was just this one person, and and this one person is not gonna, you know, push him towards a certain thought in a certain way of thinking because one person, you know, shouldn't delineate how he feels. So the movie was based on that, and we shot this movie, um, and and, and we shot this movie with literally no no budget, no script. We had a foundation of an idea of what what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, would come on set. I had some locations figured out. We'd come on set and we'd kind of just talk about the scene and then we'd just run and gun. We'd just shoot. Um, a lot of the scenes in it, it was all shot in Oak Cliff, Oak Cliff and West Dallas, most of it. Um, a lot of the scenes that you see in the film were real trap houses, <laughs> real drugs, real guns. Um, the first week that I started shooting this, I had a crew of like, I think, 10 or 12. And then after that first week, I couldn't bring them back anymore because of the situations that we're in shooting these films. We yeah. were at an actual trap house, right? We're actually at a, a store in, in in Oak Cliff. Uh, it's a convenience store. I'm not going to say which one, um, but the convenience store said, "Yeah, you can shoot here, but as long as there's any transactions, you can't. Sh- you have to stop shooting." Like they would do deals in the convenience store. Oh wow! So it, they 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 had that as a, an arrangement within. Yeah. So there would it was a convenience store because I mean it was a convenience store. They sold like candy, yeah, yeah. And, you know, cigarettes, and and like does it really stay open? Like, can you really like live? I mean, can you keep a store open that long? Just selling that stuff. It wasn't selling gas. It was, so it's like, that's what they would do. I mean, they were sell transactions on the side. There was a little uh, door and then yeah. go back to the little cubby and they would do their transactions. So we were okayed. We were, had to get permission from the hood leaders, you know, yeah. talking about the hood leaders, to go shoot in, in the neighborhood. Um, but they knew that we were shooting a film that represents Oak Cliff and represents yeah. uh, West Dallas. So we had the permission, the okay to go shoot there. Um, so it was it dwindled down from a crew of ten to the crew of three, which was me, the cameraman, and audio guy. And sometimes it was a crew of two because of the situations. I didn't want to put nobody in a situation where if the cops yeah. rolled up, you know. Um, so a lot of times, majority of the film was just shot with a crew of two or three, right? And and that's how it was done. It was shot with with conversation and, and building a story through organic conversations between the casting crew. And we would just shoot and run and gun. If if a plane flew over, a plane flew over. If there was bad lighting, bad lighting. It's just we just ran with it. It was almost documentary style filmmaking. Yeah. Um, 
shot in a way that it was just, it felt really organic and real because these people were living in their neighborhoods and we were just shooting them while they lived there. That's basically what it was. Um, and the whole idea for this project uh, was about also how to distribute this thing. You know, a lot of people want to go through the front door of a lot of distributors and go through, you know, that door is little. Yeah, <laughs> that front door is little. And here's a, 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 month, a, a whole bunch of people trying to go through that front door. And it's hard to get in because unless you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, it, it's hard to get to the upper, upper echelon of, of streaming services and try to get in there. Right. And it's hard. Um, especially when everybody now has a, a phone that can shoot 4K, everybody has access to equipment, everything looks good now, right? So, you know, I always thought as a grad student, let's, let's take it back. Let's let's rethink how things are being distributed and how these people are becoming hood famous and how they blow up. Well, musicians have been doing it for a long time, especially in West Dallas and all these rappers were creating work and selling it in the back of their cars, their CDs or cassettes. Yep. So they would just go to the barbershop right walk in yeah. hand out cassettes or start selling cassettes that way or, or cds and that's how they would blow up they would blow up organically because people would share the music they would they would copy the music you know what i'm saying they would blast it through the neighborhood and that's how these some of these people became famous and hood famous and blew up even beyond that so i'm thinking why are filmmakers not thinking that way everybody wants to kick down the front door when there's other ways around success you know once again measure your success on, on what you think you can actually do don't try to overstep your boundaries and distributing in that way was the best way for me. I wanted people to copy bootleg, sell it, <laughs> whatever. I mean, if they want to make money on my film, let them make money on my film, but guess what? They're going to see my name on it. They're going to see everybody's talent on there and, and their faces are going to be seen everywhere. And it was so cool because after I released it kind of to the, to the hood, you know, people would show, send me pictures of, of, of like a barbershop playing it on their screen or like the tire shop, in a Hispanic tire shop playing it yeah. on the screen, you know? And that's exactly what I wanted, right? Like I didn't have to push it, it pushed itself. You yeah. know, it was so, it felt so good to create something for the hood by the hood. And these people were actually in the neighborhoods that we shot this stuff at. So people were proud to screen this film. They're like, oh, here's my business, check it out, it's in a movie. Yeah. So to me, that's what felt good. And to me, that was success. And that's exactly how, you know, I felt that that film was made just for that. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and and I love that idea because, again, when we shot our first film, we shot at the VFW because I'm a veteran. So I got with a bunch of veterans and like they let me the VFW. And then because we were do we had been working with a lowrider magazine. I knew a bunch of lowriders from the the from the body and everything from the community. And I'm like, dude, bro, bring it, bring all the lowriders down. We'll buy you some beer. I can't pay, but I'll buy you some beer. We'll have a great old time and we'll shoot a fucking film. And yeah. that's what we did. And we had fun with it because, again, like you said, I, I was at that point in my educational career where I kind of wanted to see if I could shoot it. I knew I was going to make mistakes because I didn't have no money. I didn't have anything. But I was like, well, fuck it, dude. And then, of course, I had friends that were like, dude, we could do this. We could yeah. pull favors for favors and mm -hmm. we could do this. And at the end of the day, yeah, it wasn't the greatest film because it's not. But it was a film and we got our, our, our name out there and we got the ability to be able to say, hey, look, this is what we could do. We could do it with the support of the community. We could do it for the community and with with people from here. Yeah, they're not actors, but fuck, they're proud to be on it. And like you said, God, shit, everybody fucking is always like, oh, bro, when we're going to do the second one? When we're going to bro. He's like, I know we still go to car shows and everything. We could probably do something there, but give me a minute. I'm still working on my education. No, 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 no. We could do it, man. So, yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Now, Continuing with the distribution, I know that you have a film festival, Tambien, and yes. we were talking about that. 
So let, let, let's let's kind of keep the circle going because we're going to come back eventually. But oh, cool. the next uh, item that I, I really want to talk to you about was your film festival because I know you have one in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Been going on for five years. Uh, yes, it'll be. We started in twenty. It was established in twenty fifteen, and then our first festival, official festival, was twenty sixteen. Okay, so it's been so a little bit more than five years. Yeah, it's been what six years, seven years, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I can't yep. count, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late in the day to count. Yeah, um, and then but that one has launched other projects within the festivals. Correct. So, so let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, so um, you know, being in grad school and 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 creating films that deal with immigration, deal with deal with brown issues and and you know family issues and the films that I was creating, it would get into a lot of festivals, especially because it was so different from everybody else's films. You know, you would go to a film festival, you would see, you know, if they have a block of of you know uh, ten shorts, right, and, and out of that block, maybe seven of them are about love or. Or comedy, and then here comes my film. Boom! About immigration and about being, you know, uh, you know, interrogated or something, yeah. whatever. Right? Like really dark, you know, but real uh, film, and that really separated my films from everybody else. But I was, I wasn't feeling complete. Like all these festivals that I was getting into, and it was a lot. Um, wasn't feeling complete because a lot of the audiences were going. It was going over their heads. You know, I would get. Well, don't get me wrong. I would get a few that would stay after and talk to me about the film and ask me, well, did that really happen? Or is that, is that based off something real? And, you know, stuff like that, which is great. I mean, I'm connecting with these people in some sort of way, but it was still missing the audience that I was really aiming for. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that was to create, um, was to create a film festival. Um, and the way that came about creating a film festival is me and this actor that we worked with, that I work with a lot. His name is Pablo Spotify, who's been in a lot of big films and, and commercials and stuff. We've always wanted to to educate the Latinos and and, and get our, our our brown people onto screen. And you know, and I always tell my students, if you want to be successful in the industry, you know, it, yeah, you know how to shoot a film. That's great. And what if you start winning all these awards? Yeah, you shoot a film. But think beyond that. What else can you do besides that? How can you how can you have a bigger footprint in this world other than just shooting films? Right. Yeah. And I always and I always told myself I need to do something beyond what I'm doing now. So we created a, 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 a acting school or a film school for Latinos who are just like the average guy. You know, the average guy who wants to be a waiter, who, who who's a waiter, I mean, or an average guy who's working lumber or whatever. So yeah. they would come to our class and we teach them how to get into the industry. We teach them how to do casting calls, how to do monologues, how to do this, 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 and this, and all Latino based, right? All Latino based. And the good thing is that when it was happening, when we had our school, um, um, the Queen of the South was filming in Dallas. So majority of my of our students we got, got into the Queen of the South and a lot of them reoccurring roles that they would come back constantly on the time so it was great to have these latinos in the industry finding foot because we guide them in the path and the way to 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 think about something other than just that right and to to chase their dreams and then from that came the festival because we sat down and talked about doing a festival also and that's when the festival started because number one lack of lack of representation number two uh having films like mine uh being amongst people who understand those films so I, I felt like I needed to bring something to Dallas that that really utilizes and and, and, and focuses on Latinos in film. Um, and so we did the film festival first year, 2016 in Fort Worth. Um, the idea was first to have it in a hotel room with a projector. Yeah. <laughs> that was the idea. <laughs> but it took off from there, man. I had a good team behind me and it took off. And then we went from, from that to renting out the whole, I don't know if you know the Grand Plaza in Fort Worth, but... 
like in a plaza in Fort Worth, there's a huge mall and it's a Latino-based mall where there's like piñatas and quinceanera dresses and it's like three wow. stories and it's yeah. massive. Uh, and they have a theater in there, huge theater. And, and that theater would take all the blockbusters and they would dub them in Spanish, like every film. Like really? the newest film that was out, it was all dubbed in Spanish. So all the people can go watch these films in Spanish, okay. right? So we were able to 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 get the, the actual theater to, to have our film festival. And then we were able to fly people from all over the world. So it was one of those things that, man, it was it was beyond the capacity that I ever fathomed it was going to be. I mean, an idea about a projector in a, in a hotel room to flying people from all over the world. The Mexican consulate was there. <laughs> we had people from New York. We flew in people from Mexico City. We had stars that I watched on on television, admire, flew in. I mean, it was it was a big thing and, and went all in the span of one year. It was success. It was successful yeah. because people wanted to see these films. And it was great because we were springboarding a lot of films that were scared to submit to any film festival in the United States. So we were able to, to actually screen films that never screened in the United States and being that platform for them to say, you know what, it's not so bad to screen in the United States. So we were for, so we were the festival for the, a lot of first-time filmmakers in Mexico that were able to show their films and showcase them with us. You know, So yeah. I am glad. And, and from there, man, it's just been growing and growing and growing. So we went from Fort Worth. Uh, I was teaching at UNT at the time. So it went from Fort Worth to UNT. It was there. It was there a few years. Of course, COVID happened as well. Yeah. So but we went straight to online. Um, and then we went back to the platform at UNT. And then this year, we're actually tr going back to Fort Worth. Um, and we will be we will be doing it in Fort Worth this year and also expanding to Corpus. You there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, like yeah. trying because the picture got frozen, but luckily we, we still had audio. Is it my you internet? Going, no, I don't know. Could it be you're going, so you're going to Corpus then this year? Okay. Is it, you're, so you're running both you of them? Yeah. <laughs> Gabriel? Hello? Um, hold on. Are you there? Hello? <laughs> Gabriel, I think I lost you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Your 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 screen is freezing. <laughs> That's my internet. It might be mine too, man. Mine's dropping a little bit. But I had a, a Zoom two Zoom meetings today. It was fine. Um, but I had it on my iPad. Do you want me to restart this? No, because I mean we we got your audio, so it's good. Okay. Okay. Sorry I know that. you were talking. I know you were talking about uh, moving to Corpus. So is that the whole film festival moving to Corpus, or are you opening up a new one in Corpus? No, I I currently live and reside and teach in in Corpus, uh, Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Uh, I teach film here at this campus here. Um, and so ever since you know, one of the biggest things that really got me the position was not only films in the film festival, but also because of what I'm doing outside of films. Um, the film festival is a huge part of me getting hired at UNT, also a big part of me getting hired uh, here at this campus as well, um, because I knew I was connecting, not only making films, but also connecting with the community and really trying to uh, help bridge uh, uh, filmmakers with academia and other filmmakers as well. So that was a huge plus for the university. Um, so this January 2024, we're already planning now to expand FDCLA to Corpus Christi. So we have one in Dallas. One in Corpus Christi, and then we're going to be having one um, also in Wichita Falls, Texas, um, where I was born in my, in my hometown. So we'll be expanding to that place as well. So there'll be three FDCLAs uh, going around in the state of Texas. 
Man, that's badass, brother. Now, I, let me ask you a question because you, you kind of touched on it. When it comes to academia, I know a lot of times, unless you go to a, a uh, I don't want to say a film school specifically, or mm -hmm. even an institute, most of the time when we go to universities and colleges, they're not up to par with what you're teaching or what, what is going on out here in the real world. And so a lot of times we get turned off. And, and the biggest question always is film school or no film school, just like <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. to festivals or not to festivals. And I think for you, it's a double-edged sword because now you're running a film festival that's also attached to a school or, or you're combining the two. So mm -hmm. how do you see that or where do you see that going? So I've, I've been on a few panels about film school or no film school. Um, the way I see it is this. If you go to film school, you you develop the theory and you develop a lot of skills that people who are self-taught are not going to get. OK, because you're not going to force yourself to go read a book on on filmmaking or study a certain filmmaker or study how editing is done. Like a lot of people won't force themselves to do it. And if you're in these classes that are forcing you to understand and learn these subjects and understand theory and understand a lot of this theory behind filmmaking, that makes that person a, a that much better filmmaker. I'm not saying that 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 every filmmaker that goes to film school is a badass filmmaker. I'm just yeah. saying it, it develops you as an all-around person, encompasses everything that you learn into your creative process and, 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 and thinking process. Um, it's a better way to to approach films. It's a better way to to really think about like um, um, also your network. That's a huge thing as well. Is the network that you have in academia, you're not going to get outside of that. I mean, people who are, who are connected in academia are connected to bigger, better things that most people have connections to, and they can open bigger doors, um, especially if you have that degree from, say, USC or you or, or even, T, you know, uh, uh, um, UT, you know, those yeah. open big doors, man. If you have that that paper, that paper means a lot in this world and people don't think so, but it does. It Not only that, it educates you as a person, it educates yourself, and it shows that you're able to accomplish certain things and life goals, right? Um, and to me, education is everything, man. And, and that's what I want to tell all my people, all my brown people that educate yourself, man. You got to educate yourself. You know, you may not want, you may not be school material, but educate yourself something to where you want to learn beyond, you know? Um, and for me, that was the best way. It was for me to go to school. You know, I was the first out of my family of three brothers to go to school and, and, and get a master's and be able to be a professor. Now my other two brothers are, are, are just now finishing school. They're just now on the road of getting it done. But they saw, you know, what it's like to be able to to, to open bigger doors once you have that paper. Yeah. You know, it it, it, it makes a better life. You know, um, it like I said, your family be better off. You'll be better off if you have that paper and able to have that degree. It just really helps a lot. And. A lot of people, I mean, I have friends who, who got a degree and they're freelancers and they're making big money freelancing, right? Big money freelancing. But I felt like being, my plan was this, was to, to shoot my films, go to school, get my degree, get a master's, teach film, to have a steady check that's always going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> have summers off, winters off, getting paid for summer and winter to be off and, and be able to get money from the university to shoot my films. Like you can't. You, you can't beat that, you know, be able to teach the, the craft that you love to students and watch them grow as filmmakers, getting paid for that. And then having the ability to have the whole summer off and, and getting paid and shoot and have money from the university to shoot films. Like, come on, it's a win win. <laughs> I know. Right. Why? Why is not everybody doing this shit? Yeah, <laughs> when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah, because it takes time. And that's the problem. School is easy, man. And, and that's the problem is that 
we can't be you can't be lazy like any school is easy if you just yeah. go and show up and do the work you're gonna be fine you just gotta take the time and just get off your ass and get up and go to school <laughs> that's it and a lot of times it is money and, and, and i can't lie school is expensive and it's and it is oh, expensive yeah. it's very but expensive. If, if, if you if you're willing to to sacrifice you'll find a way to get through it and trust me you'll be better off in the long run with that degree and, and it only shows that it proves to yourself and, and your and your kids and whoever you know that that it can be accomplished you know i mean we need more educated latinos in the in the world we do we do i, I definitely agree with that because when you do see it even not just in film in in everything our representation and this is one thing that always gets me mad i'm like you know we're we're the highest numbered minority with the lowest footprint yes you talk about numbers bro mm -hmm. we are so like downplayed so minuscule you know yes. our, our buying power is tremendous but we don't use it for shit exactly you know, our, our representation is like minimal at best we're, we're the we're the number one minority who watches movies you know that Latinos are the number one minority who goes to the movie theaters and spends money at the movies. We are, right? And we don't see our faces on screens. And the reason is because we don't have enough educated Latinos that are that are considered gatekeepers. All yeah. these all these series, all these shows that are that are showing on television that get canceled within a season is because we don't have gatekeepers to keep it open. What's happening is that yeah, we can get people in front of the screen to be actors and sometimes behind the camera, sometimes, but those gatekeepers who are saying yes or no to these projects are not us. We don't have enough Latinos up there in that scale to get there, to say, yes, this is a good thing. Let's keep pushing it. We don't have that. You know, matter of fact, we had a, a writer who wrote, um, there was a few series on HBO. He was also a writer on Hentified who came uh -huh. and spoke with us at our, our film festival last year. And he said, you know, this is why we get all of these great series that are pitched. They get greenlit, but then they get canceled in a year because everybody who's in that, in that chair that, that greenlights everything, they're not us. They're not us. Right. And that's the why we don't have these people up there in this position. So we don't have enough educated Latinos to build up and get up into those positions. Right. So that's why it's important for us to build as a community to help each other, educate each other and open doors for other people. You know, and, and unfortunately, man, some of us as brown people, and I've noticed this because with film festivals, even the other events that I do yeah. for, for, for Latinos, we're like crabs in a bucket. Something about this, man. I mean, the it's crab theory. Yep, I know the crab theory very well, brother. It's the honest truth, man. I mean, instead of pushing somebody up to to succeed, we want to bring them down, and that's that's the Latino way, for, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, it is. It, it, it is very sad because you see it in politics, you see it in in shit, in business. You, you, yeah, when when you start looking at things, that crab theory applies so so well. And and another thing that I always I always play and I always joke around the fact that as a Latino or a Chicano or whatever we have so many titles, but yet when you want to address somebody, it's like oh you're Mexicanos or you're or whatever, and we're so proud of being that one specific thing, you know. And and I I know and I excuse what I'm about to say, but like black representation, you're black, everybody's black, and that's one culture. We're Latinos like well I'm Mexicano. Yeah. Well, why can't you be Latino and help out the Latino culture? No, because I'm I'm Puerto Rican. Oh no, because I'm and it's yeah. always that fight of identification of who you really are as a Latino, Chicano, Mexicano, uh, Cubano. We have those titles and we're so stuck on on neutral on that that well actually we're stuck on stupid on that that we don't 
move forward as a culture. You know yeah. what I mean? So at least that's in my my personal perspective. When I've seen, you know, how representation is for us, we're always quick to say, well, no, that those are Puerto Ricans. We don't, we're, yeah. we're not, you know, the Puerto Ricans, you know, they're, they're from the island. Or, oh, they're Mexicans. They're, they're fucking burrito eaters or whatever. You know, it's always those little nitpicking at each other. And I'm like, bro, it's it's part of the crap theory. It is. It is. And, you know, the black culture, they have their stuff together. That's why they have so, so much content that's out there. That's why there's yeah. so much content that they do. There's so many shows that they establish. So there's a lot of successful black entrepreneurs and black actors and black producers because they stick together. Right. They see somebody and they help push that person. And with, with us as Latinos, I'm, I'm fine. I'm learning to find that it's really hard to get to have Latinos jump on board. It's like this film festival, right? Or even the thing I'm doing now at the event of Coffee Estachada in Louisville, to find sponsors, it's it's damn near impossible for any brown company to help sponsor something like that. And it's a free event. It's a community event. Pulling teeth, wow. man. From film festival as well. Finding sponsors that are brown, hardly never, ever. It's always coming from the other communities that help. And yeah. it's sad because they're the ones helping push our culture and, it, and the funds are not coming from our culture. They're coming from other people outside of our culture to help push our own culture. You know, it's like, how do we win with that? You no, know, it, it's that, just, it, it's a weird dynamic, man. And that's the obstacles that we face. And, and, and it, uh, it's, it sucks to say, but we shouldn't, our, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And, and that's what it is, you know, and as a filmmaker, man, this is why I tell stories that hopefully opens people's minds. Um, not only with brown people, but other people outside of our culture, you know? Um, and I think that the more you push for message films, the better that society can can become. Even if you change the mind of one person or if you're able to open the mind of another, um, that's that's the power of cinema, man. This is why we're in it. It's why I'm in it. This is why I teach my kids and my students uh, on, on the power of the tool that you have that can be a, a really powerful tool. You know, cinema is one of the things they've been using since for propaganda and war because people yep. were literally, you know, that's how powerful it is. They, they don't understand. They can't read it, but they can see sir, visual, right? They can understand what you're saying visually. So it's a powerful, powerful tool that you have, you know? So anything I tell my students and, and they see now, they're starting to see now that films with the message are the ones that really take off. Those are the ones that really are being resonate with people. Those are the ones that are being accepted in the film festivals. Those are the ones that are going to leave something with them when they leave that, that, that theater, you know? Two more. Now, I got another question for you. And and I asked this to a couple of guys from Corpus last weekend um, because I, I kind of saw and heard the same thing. Being kind of, and, and I know you're proud of this, but being kind of put in this little box as a filmmaker. Now you're a Latino or proud Latino Mexican filmmaker. You know, you're expected to do only these kind of films and, and you're nitpicked or you're you're kind of i don't know yeah put in a box yeah um do you see that as, as a, like almost like a trial by fire you're, you're proud of that or is your after a while you're like man dude i'm not just that i'm i'm a filmmaker like when earlier when i introduced you you know i introduced you as an academic and a filmmaker you're like well i'm more of a filmmaker first before an academic does that, how does that play when you, when <laughs> I would, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Hispanic filmmaker. No, I'm a filmmaker. Man, the way I see it is this, man. I make films for Latinos. And if that's what they put me in, fine. So be it, bro. You know what I'm saying? I, I majority of my, all of my films actually have Latino actors or black actors. And, and that's it. Like, I don't focus on 
you know, telling other people's stories because that's not what I want to tell. You know, if they want to put me in that box, I'm fine with it because I'm happy with the work I'm doing. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Then if I'm happy with the work I'm doing, that definitely will show on, on my work. It will show on my work. If I'm proud of the work I'm doing and I and I'm, have all my energy focused on the work I'm doing, and it, it'll show off in the work. So I, if they want to put me in a box, I don't care about boxes and stuff like that. I'm always going to shoot Latino-based films. And I'm always going to have Latino actors because that's I'm going to put in a position where I can uplift Latinos. And I'm going to keep continue to do that until we start getting the same minutia of people and thinking the same way to get this stuff out there, man. And, and that's the way I, I see it. You know, if if I, some people say, yeah, see me as a filmmaker, first and foremost, not a Latino filmmaker. No, I'm a Latino filmmaker. It is what it is. <laughs> that's the way I see it, bro. Yeah. No, no, I I, I, I totally understand. And I get you. Um, It's just some people are really, really. Again, they're stuck yeah. on labels. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things like, no, I'm a filmmaker because I, I want to make films. I want to touch people. Yeah, but like you said, what are you really trying to say? What is at the end of the day, you have to have that that nice big poster, you know, activist poster. Yeah, yeah. You know, change my mind. Yeah, yeah. The, the matter of fact, I always get this every 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 uh, cycle. We always have our committee meetings for the film festival. And there's always we all there always is a conversation about opening up the film festival for just general public, right? Yeah. Because we have rules. Like in order to be in our film festival, you got to have a Latino lead, a Latino producer, a Latino director. It has to be somebody in, in 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 a position of authority that's Latino to be in this film festival. You just can't submit. And there's always that conversation about opening it up to everybody. And I think no, there's a million other film festivals they can submit to. Yeah. No. You know, this is ours for us. This is us. This is our thing, you know, and, and, and if they want to come enjoy, and that's fine. That's what we want everybody to come and enjoy our culture and to be open about it. But no, I mean, there's other film festivals that other people can submit to. That's that's their own thing. This is why they're black based film festivals, why they're Latino based film festivals, because they feel excluded from the other ones. You know, and I don't I mean, to me, that's that's why I, uh, this is why it's been successful, because we show nothing but Latino films. That's it. That's it. And we we hit the dynamic and we hit the crowd that we're actually aiming for. And yeah. this is, I think, is being successful because people like that and people understand that that's the message for us. If they want to go see another film, they can go to another film festival. There's plenty of them. There's tons. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, yeah. so, no, I mean, I'm not going to change our perspective and our mindset. Um, we're trying to get our people pushed up to the forefront. And this is the way we got to do it. We got to stick to the plan. Gotcha. To the plan. And, and you know? it's always funny because I always hear the argument of other minorities be like well you know we got to stick together you know let's do this as a whole and i'm like well i get i get what you're saying but and and i'm with you but i want to see this why yeah. can't i just see this why can't i just represent this and they're like no 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 and i'm like ah oh, me okay we got to open it up because you got to be equal opportunities about everything otherwise you know people start arguing and saying you're not equally representing everybody but at the same time it's like why can't i just be happy representing who i am and not bother anybody else yeah yeah and and that's the thing it's like we have no we get me wrong we have films that have black actors black actresses white actors white actresses but once again the majority in the principle of 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 that film is either the director's latino or the writer's latino or you know what i'm saying there has to be a yeah. principle that's connected to it so I mean, we're not discriminative in a way that we're not, hey, no, there's no black, there's black people or there's white people. No, it's not like that. It's, it's just that we want to make sure that whatever film is submitted to our festival that is connected strongly to a Latino that's based, that's, that has a Latino core uh, to the to the actual film. 
Um, and that's what I, I, I like. I like to see films like that, man. And that's what I'm going to continue to start doing, even here in Corpus. I mean, that's going to be the way we roll. No, you that's know? awesome, bro. I, I, I applaud you for it because, again, like you said, there is a thousand and one fucking film festivals out there because there is. I mean, shit, here in San Antonio, we have like maybe about 20 yeah, a lot. different <laughs> yeah, I got a lot. festivals. And, you know, I'm I'm drowning because I'm I'm this little itty really dumb underground film festival. And I'm like, you know what? I, I just like cheesy B movies. And that's really what I want to see. You know, yeah. we're like, oh, I'm like, no, I want to see the the low brow, low budget, no budget, mm-hmm. stupid, cheesy film, you know, because that's that's what I love. You know, Dude, stick, stick with what you love, man. You'll be really <laughs> successful at it, bro. I'm telling you. Yeah. And, and that's the way to approach a lot of things in life. <laughs> you know, when it comes to creative projects, stick to what you love and, and be true to yourself as as a as the messenger of the creative art. And that'll come off the page. It'll come off the screen, genuine and real. And that's the best, best way to approach anything. Uh, yeah. that's the way I do. No, I again, I, I'm. I, I love talking to you because a lot of what you're saying, I really wholeheartedly agree. It's just great to hear from another person who's in the community, who's academia, in fucking film, in festivals, and you know what I mean. So you're doing all this stuff that I'm like, I'm applauding you for it, and I'm I'm glad to hear somebody else is actually taking the reins and running with it. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if if you're if you're comfortable yet talking about it. But I know you have an upcoming project about distribution. Uh-huh. Yes, um, I can only go so much into that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, that's why yeah. I said I don't know how, how comfortable you are talking about it because you're still in the working process. Yes, because I know I hit you up. Yeah, 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 for sure. It, yeah, and you're not the only one, bro. I, I swear to God, in the last four months, I've been hit up like maybe six times <laughs> about uh, getting some stuff distributed, and and you know and going through the process you know doing the festival for so many years now and and, and watching a ton of films bro you know the process of how yeah. many films to watch and you know going to a lot of film festivals as well and then supporting my students at their film festivals matter of fact i'm doing a film festival this friday for the for the university oh, so wow. doing like all of this stuff man and, and and seeing the work that's out there and and just seeing the work that's online and you know what's all the creative stuff that's happening um it's a it's a world full of content ton of content and how do you how do you you know come rise to the top of this whole haystack of content right how do you become that needle in the haystack to really separate yourself from all of this content and it's hard right and especially on streaming services you know people are like oh i'm on you i'm on tubi or i'm on amazon yeah bro but anybody could be on that you just got to fill out the paperwork and upload it it's not nothing special you know and and you're never going to get back say if you shoot a feature film and you spend ten thousand dollars you're not going to get your ten thousand dollars back just be honest that's just the way it is right and for for people to to actually pay attention and notice your film on tubi like that's 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 and that's that's hard because there's other things that they can, just like me, when you're on Netflix, you're screaming through the stuff. And if you don't like it, you just turn it off and go to the next one. It's so yep. simple just to like move on. Right. So to me, they consider some people consider success as being on Tubi or being on Amazon. To me, that's not success. You know, some people want to just shoot films to make money, which is great. I mean, that's that's their end goal. You know, yep. and, I, and I, more kudos to them. As long as they do good content and if they get paid, let them get paid. So for us, we, me and another filmmaker and another person who's a producer in Dallas who does a lot of films constantly, constantly doing films all the time. They have stuff on BET, BET uh, online. I mean, we, what we're doing is we're we're bringing together black and brown content on one, one envelope. 
um, and hasn't really been done the way we were approaching a lot of this. Um, we're not taking the regular platform that most streaming services do. Um, we're taking it in a different in a different idea and a different approach where we're making um, the actual director and the artist the actual artist. You know, we're, we're pushing the, the director. We're not pushing the film. We're pushing the director as a person and as a creative. And I think that separates us from everybody else. Okay. You know, the way we approach things and the way we're par- packaging everything. Um, it's not, you're, you're not going to be up there with other stuff that's kind of like thrown together, say like on YouTube or Worldstar. Worldstar is another thing where people, hip hop industry, they put up their music videos on Worldstar, but they pay Worldstar several thousands of dollars to be up there in, in that you know, universe of a bazillion mo- freaking uh, uh, yeah. videos. You know, it's hard to to get selected from that. So the way we approach things is a little bit different. We want to really push the director, push the artist uh, up in the forefront. And I think that's what what's key. It's, it's like a record label, right? You yeah. push the artist. You push the artist, much as their work as well, much as their content, but you push the artist first and foremost. And I think that's the way we approach things. And that's the way we're going to approach things. That's awesome. And that is totally different because, yeah, you are right. Like when we got picked up, it was up to us to still do marketing. And a lot of times mm-hmm. we had to do guerrilla marketing, you know, the Facebook shout outs, the tags, mm-hmm. the fucking hashtags. But it was all on us still to get our movie out there. You know what yeah. I mean, because again, when they sold our movie, it was a package deal with, you know, 50 other fucking films that year at, you know, American Cinema Market, whatever. Yeah. And we were just lucky enough to be in that package and we got package deal. Now we're on Tubi. But again, at the same time, we have to do our own marketing. Otherwise, nobody's going to see it. Exactly. Um, it, it, it becomes it becomes marketing in, in a way, especially on social media, becomes stagnant because we're so used to to such a, such a short attention span. We flick and we flick and we flick yeah. and we don't stop to watch things. And a lot of times, you know, things that we stop and watch are irrelevant to what we're what we're talking about. Right. Just. Yeah comedy shit or bs but a lot of times we become so immune to the world and what's happening on a little screen in front of us that we just keep flicking so it's hard to get somebody's attention you know especially when you like i said when you're a package of 50 other films like what makes you separate from the rest right so it it is really hard matter of fact i was um i was had a conversation with a famous rapper um i'm not gonna say who it is but we had a lot of conversations about how he wanted to just distribute films he's a rapper who really fell in love with filmmaking he shot a film um and he approached a lot of the big streaming services and he found out after the contract the paperwork that he was really getting screwed out of a lot of this the the funding so he decided to upload it on his own website well he made like 2.5 million dollars off off of the film people paying you know to pay to watch the film off his website yeah but they started to slump really bad in one month and he's like what the fuck is going on so he would look and see, well, fuck, they already post somebody, copied it and posted it on YouTube yeah. for free. So it was like he didn't, you know, it was just like one of those things was like, dude, it's, it, it, it's hard to self-distribute because now you have to go to a platform that's going to self-protect it and global lock it and all this other stuff that you have to think about. That's going to cost you more money per month to save your film. But you know what? For him, it didn't matter. He made $2.4 million in a short amount of time. Yeah. So he made his money back, right? But there's a lot of avenues you can take, but you have to really learn how to protect yourself and protect your your your, your baby. Because there's a lot of sharks, man. The industry is full of them. A ton oh, yeah. of them. Yeah. And they, they want to take your stuff for free and they want to see what they can maximize out of it and, and pay you as little as possible. You know? And, and it is, it's never a win-win. That's why when I tell... My students, it's like, if you want to become a filmmaker and you want to make money, I said, don't shoot a feature first because you're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to fail. It, trying to sell a feature film is hard. It's hard to do. 
because uh, everybody shoots one. Everybody shoots one, and you'll never get your money back. Never. Um, if you want to experience that that industry, go for it. Shoot a film. Get in the industry. If you're planning to make big money on it, ain't gonna happen, man. It's just it's just one of those things. I, I tell them just to shoot a bunch of shorts, get that experience, and build from there. You know, because it does take practice. It does take number one, the network. You you gotta have that network in place. You gotta yeah. have the people who can talk to somebody who can talk to somebody who can open that door for you. That make that door bigger, opening for you. If you don't network, you're 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 down here, and everybody's up here. You gotta have that network. And networking pays off. It, it does. I mean, especially in this industry, you got to know somebody who knows somebody, you know, yeah. open that bigger door. So yeah. you have to be, number one, don't burn bridges because it's a small world and people talk. <laughs> it, you know, that's a, that's a big thing is that everybody knows somebody from somebody in the film industry. So if you burn a lot, a lot of bridges, that's not going to help you in the long run. So try to be cordial with a lot of people, help out on projects when, when they need help. You know, sometimes do, do it for free. I mean, because you'll never know how you, you might need them later or they might need you later. You know, jump on those projects and do it for free. You know, get get that network built. You know, have a group of people that you're shooting with all the time. You know, all the films that I shot up to the last one that I shot here in Corpus, <clears throat> including the feature, and all the award-winning films that I had, all together combined was about $3,000 for all of them that I've wow. uh, spent on the films. Now, when I moved to Corpus, I didn't have that network of people that I had, my network of people. Yeah. So that film went from, you know, a, a $50, $75 uh, short film to 12 grand. <laughs> it's oh, wow. Huge That's difference. Crazy. Huge difference because I didn't have my network. I'm, I'm not from Corpus. I don't have I don't have my my feet planted on the ground. Yeah. You know, back home in Dallas, I could just pick up the phone and we could shoot a film tomorrow. Here, it wasn't like that. It was completely different. I, I don't know nobody here. I don't know the area. So it cost me a lot of money and, 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 and I'm still spending on that on that film. <laughs> still not finished. And, so. you know, and, and that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, especially as an independent filmmaker, is that our first feature film, no matter what, we will never make that money back. Nope. And nope. Never. And that, you can't have the illusions of grandeur, man. You and know? people are always like, oh, I'm going to sell it. I'm gonna... It's not going to happen, man. Bro, it doesn't work. Nobody. You have nobody. No, nothing behind your back. Nothing. So, I have a friend who who shot a feature and it was a horror film, and he had some 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 B list B listers in it, right? Um, they spent forty, I think forty five thousand dollars on the film, right? And and the distributor got it. And by the time the distributor, they had to pay the distributor for marketing, which is the yeah. poster, the marketing. By the time you paid all that back to the distributor, they're just now getting checks right now, right? But they already had the film five years, like. It's it's a done. It, that film's burned. Like you can't do nothing with it once you get it back. So altogether, they probably got about five thousand dollars, you know. And they had B-list actors. They had people from uh, actors from the Titanic, the actual movie of the Titanic, wow. that were in this film, and they lost their ass. But that was a big that was a big experience for them to understand that. No man, you're not going to make money from a feature film. Mm. There's just too much competition. There, there's just there's just too much too many factors out there that that block you from doing that, right? Yeah, especially yeah. at our level. And and I say our level because again, independent guys. Um, I don't think any of us, unless you made a big Hollywood film recently that I didn't know about. And if you did, that please let me know. Um, no, no. <laughs> but you know what's funny? Um, I come from where Pablo, the guy that I worked with. He he does a lot of cine mexicano. Yeah, I don't know if you know what that is, but there's a channel called Cine Mexicano that shows all of these really horrible, I'd say, C movies, right? And they figured out how to do this, man. What they do, and this is one of the reasons why we started CTC School, because what they do is, is the director would charge people to be on his film, 
So if you were to be an actor on this film, you had to pay five grand or three grand. And these people would pay. They would pay because they wanted to see themselves on screen. Didn't didn't matter if they never acted a day in their life. It didn't matter if they knew how to read a script. If you paid, you were in the film. And that's what they would do. They would would charge everybody. They would pocket $12,000, right? Then they would sell it to City Mexicana for two grand because that's what they bought the films for. It's $2,000, right? So they made you know, 15 grand profit. (laughs) And then the people were really happy because they saw themselves on Cine Mexicano on the television channel. So they were happy. Now they're movie stars. Now they're stars, right? The cycle continues even to this day in Dallas and Houston where Cine Mexicano, these these directors would would do this with these people. People would pay these people to be on a film set and that's how they made their money. That's the only way I saw people were making money, but it was such a negative (laughs) impact. Jesus it's such God. a negative impact on how we were as filmmakers, Latino filmmakers, because the films were horrible. They were bad. I mean, think about it. People who've never acted before, right? Yeah. And it's bad because there was a lot of conflict with people stealing money and this and that. And it left a bad name for a lot of Latinos, in, 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 especially in the Dallas area, trying to you know shoot films. But that's the way, that's the only way that I saw people making money, 100% big money, was doing the yeah. cinema style. You know? Bro, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine taking advantage of people like that yeah, and I mean, I, I've, I've worked for free i've worked for free for a lot of fucking films yeah. and a lot of shorts and everything and and i felt like i was being taken advantage of but not to where i'm paying somebody to do to be in that set that's that's just ridiculous it's ridiculous and it's a hundred percent happening every day even to this day if you just facebook city mexicano or even just go city mexicano and find out what channel it plays on you'll see those films being played you can youtube city mexicano films and You'll see it. I guarantee the same actors, the same people. These are people who pay to be in these films. They're not hired. Act. They didn't go through no yeah. casting process. They didn't go through any of this. And this is the reason why I started uh, I started the acting school when I was in Dallas with Pablo's because we wanted to keep people away from that. Yeah. We wanted to keep people away from that and, and to understand this is the way it's done really in the real world. And the other way you're going to get onto the actual film set of like, like, you know, uh, uh, the queen of the South is you have to go through this casting call process. This is the yeah. process. This is how you, this is how you, you, you perform. This is how you do a monologue, you know, all of this stuff is to get people away from that whole trap of like city Mexicano. Right. And but you know what, city, bro. but you know what, that, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, education of La Raza. Yeah. And, and, and unless you do that, unless you say, Hey, cabron, you're doing it wrong. You're you're being taken advantage of, and 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 you're not helping the the community by doing that shit. It's gonna keep on going. It's, the perpetuation of that bullshit is just gonna keep going and going because again, <clears throat> even like, let's say you go into corpus and you stop that shit because you start educating motherfuckers. Well, guess what? It's too easy for them to pick up and go to El Paso, where mm-hmm. there's not another fucking Gabriel. And, yeah. and let's say Gabriel moves to El Paso, fucking chasing them down, saying, hey, look, that's how you're being taken advantage. Guess what? There's another small little Tejano town out there with yeah. people who are ambitious and want to do something, you know? So the reason why Cine Mexicano went to Dallas is because the person who started doing a lot of that stuff was was basically kicked out of Houston because they burned a lot of bridges. So they started doing it in Dallas and they were expanding from there. And to this day, they're still shooting you know, films in Dallas that way. They're still shooting films like that in Houston that way. You know, and people are just not educating themselves. And hey, never pay anybody. They pay you. Think about <laughs> it. You're supposed, they're supposed to be paying you. Matter yeah. of fact, one of our, um, one of the students that that really flourished from there, her name is Ermalinda. 
she went from Cine Mexicano and then she got onto my film projects where you actually had to do a casting call and doing stuff like that. She was in Streets of a Scion, actually. But she started working more on, on this side of what I call this side of, of filmmaking, where you actually have to have a casting call. Um, but she's been doing great, man. She's been paid for national uh, commercials. She's been on, on, on she's had meetings with Richard Linklater at wow. his house. Like literally, and she comes from Cine Mexicano, but she learned the ways and it was taught and educated herself on how the industry works. And we helped her get to that path, right? To have an actual meeting with Richard Linklater at his house about a film, bro. I mean, that's fucking amazing. Like, I mean, this comes from like Mexicano. So this is what I'm talking about. Educating Latinos in in, in film festivals and films that we create will help, you know, get this ball rolling to get us in those positions where we can green light other films and other projects to make us build a better empire for us as far as when it comes to media industry and films and, and, and anything content bro man I, I love this conversation I'm, I'm looking at my time real quick that that's why i keep looking up because my timer is right there no and and i'm running out of time and and i want to probably bring you back one more time so we can continue this conversation because it's like I love the fact that yes, one, you're you're starting or not starting, but you have a film festival that promotes what you want and you're sticking your guns to it and you're educating people, not just through the film festival, but also through your academic career. And you're also doing other things that for the community, you know, to to progress. So yeah, we definitely need to continue this conversation. Um, but I'm gonna have to, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to cut off okay. this this session, you know, because after an hour, people just start stop listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. as, as good as the conversation might be, because I know you and I. Are, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying this conversation. I'm 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 really being even educated on on, on certain things. So I'm I'm enjoying this. I'm soaking it up, brother. So I appreciate yeah, it. I definitely um, want to go to your festival when you have it, man. And and when we have, you know, if if you're able to go to uh to Fort Worth, man, I invite you to go down and check it out. Um, but when you have your festival, man, just send send me the stuff and I'll promote you, man, on, on my Facebook and, and, and my Instagram. And, you know, like I said, I, I support a, a lot of Latino activities out there, bro. So if you just send me your stuff, I definitely will support and post and, and, and get people to, to, to pay attention. Cool. So with that said, give us where we could see you, hear you, watch you, whatever your your handles on Insta, uh, Facebook, all that good shit. And um, just. This is your time, real yeah. quick. Go for it, so man. if you just if you just Google Gabriel Duran film filmmaker, it'll it'll pop up a lot of stuff. Gabriel Duran filmmaker on Google, it'll just pop up a lot of stuff for me. But for my Instagram, it's Duran One with the number one films. Duran One films all together. That's how you find me on Instagram, and that's mostly where I'm at. My Facebook is kind of more for family stuff and stuff like that. But Instagram is where I'm at. But if you just Google Gabriel Duran filmmaker, it, it'll pop up a ton of stuff on on what I've been doing and, and where I'm at right now. Because I know your actual website is duranonefilms.wixsite.com. Yeah. 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 I, have to, I, have to, I have to throw it out there because I know most people are like, ah, what, what am I going to Google? And anyways, down below on both the YouTube and the podcast, you'll have all the links where you could find all his work, um, how to reach him, if you want to have him come talk to you. Because I know you do. You also do speaking engagements. Yes. Yes. I just came back from uh, the, the mother mother university at, at college station at AM. I just had a speaking engagement about Texas filmmaking um, just last weekend, actually. So it was it was pretty cool to to speak to a lot of uh, different even Latinos, a lot of Latinos there. So I was able to to connect with them. That was great. So awesome. So, and again, director, entrepreneur, 
film festival uh, connoisseur, <laughs> educator mm -hmm. all around. Um, thank you again, Gabriel, for being on yeah. the podcast. Bro. Um, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to bring you back because we have more to talk about. Um, bro, keep doing this, bro. No, we keep, keep this, going. Man. Keep doing this because you're doing a great job, man. This is what we need more of you doing this stuff. So thank you. No, thank you, brother. And again, guys, um, go check out his films. Um, they're great. They're, again, most of them are pirated. <laughs> like you said, you can find them anywhere. Uh, Google him. When you do see his stuff, you hit the like, uh, subscribe, uh, re, re, fucking pirate it. You know, get get the get the voice out there, bro. Um, and again, film noobs, uh, keep watching films. Till next time, see ya.